0: The following program is produced and furnished in conjunction with John Thomas Flynn, who is entirely responsible for its content. Welcome to Ask the CIO, SLED edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Now your host, John Thomas Flynn. Our guest today is Barney Krukoff, Interim Chief Technology Officer of the District of Columbia. So welcome to Federal News Radio's Ask the CIO's State and Local Edition, Barney. Uh, before we get started on the IT priorities and trends in the district, tell us a little bit about your road to the, uh, to the D.C. Interim CTO position. Before you were first appointed by Mayor Bowser back in, back in January of this year, I just recently had James Collins on the new Delaware... Uh, well, Delaware CIO and new NACIO president, who I'm sure you met uh, in San Diego while we were there. And his he went from uh, Air Force dental technician to um, uh, change management expert and then fleet administrator, chief of staff, and then CIO. Quite a, uh, an interesting background. Tell us a little bit about yours. Um,
1: I grew up here in D.C., and I, so that that's a big part of uh, who I am. My education is in city planning. So I have a master's in city planning from Georgia Tech, went to Vanderbilt before that, um, more liberal arts. Uh, Went from city planning into city planning, worked here for a federal agency called National Capital Planning Commission. And I'm of the right age to have been early into geographic information systems. Um, And that was clearly my career path. The older planners hadn't, hadn't used those systems. And I got more and more into using the systems. Uh, Ultimately left NCPC, worked for a civil engineering firm. My largest contract was with the District of Columbia government mapping the city. Um, Also worked on federal contracts, uh, other local contracts. Eventually was hired on to D.C. as the geographic information systems manager. Worked for OCTO from 2004 to 2011. Uh, Left OCTO and went... And um, OCTO's the... Office of the Chief Technology Officer, uh, which is DC's IT department. Uh, Left there, went to the state of Maryland where I was the geographic information officer for the state uh, for almost five years. I came back to OCTO in 2016 as the chief data officer and was in that role when um, the vacancy emerged and I've been interim since January.
0: That's interesting. You know, I was, uh, you know, going from the GIS to the uh, chief data officer. Uh, very unusual. I don't know of anybody else that's quite had that pathway to a chief information officer, but could be. Uh, how did that background prepare you, do you think, for your role as uh, in the chief technology office?
1: Um, let me go into a couple things that it prepared me well for. One, GIS is an, an area where data was expensive and exotic in the 90s when I started it. It's Now it's on everybody's phone, but it we had a whole culture of data sharing and investment uh, working across jurisdictions to to do maps that clearly abutted each other. Um, I think that culture was very good leading into chief data officer and to the value of data. Um, if you're solving problems for people across the government, uh, that's the most important thing to learn. And I did that as GIS manager and as chief data officer. I was also... Um, I worked directly for Martin O'Malley in Maryland. He was very into his maps. I, I would sit in, in his staff meetings, not the highest level, but the next rung uh, part of state stat. And that gave me a lot of experience into how governments use data and systems to, to manage themselves. Um, so it was a good experience to come back into D.C. My long time around the government has been helpful too, just knowing the rules, knowing the people.
0: Let's talk a little bit about your organization. I did my homework, and I've got to say, to me, it it appeared one of the more complicated CIO governance models, if you will, state or local government. And the Octo, as you say, the Office of the Chief Technology Officer, but then there's also a CIO, at least that's the title, over in the CFO's Office in Administrative Services. Can you talk a little bit about those two positions and the jurisdiction each has? Um,
1: Octo is the lead technology officer for the district. So it we manage many of the enterprise systems, we manage the network, we manage the cybersecurity, um other things too, but let's let's not go through the whole list now. There are more than most agencies have a CIO also. Um the CIO of the office of the chief financial officer is very important because the financial management systems um are largely under that person. So SOAR, the financial management system for the city, uh, is the application is run by that CIO. It sits on a mainframe run out of office of the chief technology officer. So we support the infrastructure. They support the application. There's other models like that around the city where that's the case. There's other cases where we actually run both the infrastructure and the application, and there are places where we touch neither. Um, DC is, keep in mind... A combination city, state, and county. It's one of the more complicated and larger governments you're going to work in. Even though the geographic area is small, the range of things that the government covers is almost bigger than anywhere else, except say the federal government.
0: Yeah, very, very interesting. So, so just so I have it straight in my head, is the CIO then over at the the chief financial officer's shop up here with the CIOs and the other fifty or so state uh, or government. City government agencies?
1: They are, except the CFO is an independent entity. Um, There are other independent entities like Board of Elections, things that make sense to not be under the mayor. The CFO is highly independent ever since the control board was retired. Um, And so they have more leeway than a typical CIO under the mayor, which would have more direct report into Mm -hmm. Octo. Speaking of direct reports, how do you report to? I report day-to-day to, day to a deputy mayor who mm-hmm. is over public safety and, and government operations. That's uh, Kevin Donahue, and he reports to the mayor. On paper, I report to the mayor, and I do okay. meet with them occasionally.
0: Yeah, I actually thought in looking at your, uh, your um, uh, environment, if you will, it's, it reminded me a little bit of some of the states where you have a, a, a CIO who's a cabinet official and then may have CIOs actually report up to him. Not, I mean, Maryland, Virginia have a similar model to that, although um, it's not exactly the case. But it is interesting, and I, I have a true love for the CIO governance model. It's one of my, one of my uh, pet peeves about making a, the CIO role a model for success, if you will. And some, some models are not, particularly a weak model. When I went to California, unbeknownst to me, I, got, I had a shop of 15 people overseeing a $4 billion IT program. Uh, without any operational authority that I thought I was going to get. And that made it very, very difficult. And when I talked to Collins last uh, last week about that, and we discussed the strong CIO governance model versus a weaker one, the stronger one being uh, policy and operations, the job's a lot, lot easier. You can't, it's hard to, my example is it's hard to consolidate data centers when the data center managers don't report to you. DC is a hybrid, and it's not ideal, but...
1: It, it, your system there of a relatively heavy policy shop, minus the operations, I think is a, is the more typical imbalance. DC actually, we are very operational. Um, after the control board left, um, there was a long time CIO, Suzanne Peck, we consolidated email, we consolidated many data centers. We are a very operational entity, but our policy side is a little bit diluted and agencies can um, have their own IT functions so we're almost the other side of the coin, where we're strong operationally, and right now we're trying to build back up the policy PMO uh,
0: functions, planning functions um, within the agency. And I I do notice, and I'm getting a little bit of ahead of myself, but I certainly notice some of the roles uh, of the uh, of your organization and your your role. Uh, it seems has a lot of uh, stuff that involves things outside the city in terms of. Uh, the technology of the city, the growth of technology in the city, things like that. It was kind of an unusual role for the uh, IT leader of a jurisdiction in government. I'm not exactly sure what you're referring to, but I think you're referring to things like
1: ACTO's programs to work on the digital divide. Um, You'll find, if you go into one of our performance hearings, say, that our work on digital divide issues is a relatively small percentage of our budget, maybe 1% but it would get maybe 20, 30% of the attention at a hearing. Some of the public things that Octo does reflect, I think, the interests of our leaders, elected leaders, and of the city and, and um, are very important to who we are. But we always have to focus on the internal government IT. That's, that's where the money is spent, and that's where the
0: value is returned, um, by and large, and... and yeah, and I would agree with that. I very much agree with that. You can get, uh, you know, sidetracked a bit if you're out there trying to, uh, you know, deal with the technology vendors moving to the city type of the, uh, type of thing, which you know we'll talk I, I, about too. <laughs> okay, I pulled um, back on some of that. to yeah. be honest. Um, the uh, let's talk about your organization then. Just how large is it? You know, senior staff. What are your what's your budget? That kind of thing. Um, We have uh, an organization of about 370
1: positions. Uh, We have another, almost 200 plus, on-site contractors who are there. So it's a sizable IT organization. Mm -hmm. Like I said, very operational. Mm -hmm. Um, Our budget is made up of about 120 something million dollars. About a third of that is local. Uh, We have money, a revenue model where we bill for certain services, so it's paid through the agencies. When I say local money, it's operational money. We also get um, some capital money, borrowed money when we can invest in systems. And finally, we have some revenue from federal sources where we provide network infrastructure to federal agencies.
0: How about your major initiatives you're involved in right now?
1: Um, one thing I'm trying to do is is build back up that planning and governance function. Uh, another major initiative is replacing systems that were put in place roughly at the end of the control board period or even before. So working with that CFO of this chief financial officer, CIO, to replace that accounting system that's on the mainframe, replace the purchasing system, modernize uh, human resources management. So a lot of legacy applications that need to be modernized. Moving the agency from a CapEx borrow-build host model to a cloud model, more operating funds, software as a service, trying to change how we typically do business. And the hard part is changing how we typically account for doing business.
0: I see. Uh, one of the things that uh, we often discuss with our, our CIO guests is that it involves the uh, the involvement really of your executive champion, uh, the governor, the mayor in your case. And I, I looked at the, uh, at the data policy that uh, Mayor uh, browser browser, uh, Bowser, set up, correct. set up a year or two ago. Tell us about that. It sounded like a it was it was a kind of initiative that really uh, allows you to get behind something when you've got your boss behind it to begin with. Very
1: much so. So and that, and that really worked on that as as my chief data officer role prior to taking over representativeim. But um, what we're trying to do with that policy is several things. One, recognize that data is an asset of the city which oftentimes when we think of how we are assets it's the system but we don't really count for the data inside and we believe that the data inside is actually the most valuable part the system might be changed out but that data is likely to live on the it requires the city to um, inventory its enterprise data set so every agency has contributed to this inventory and we've published it online as open data so even if we have data that we cannot give to you, if we collect it, we'll at least tell you in this inventory that we have it. It involves classification. So we have a zero to four classification system where zero is open data, and we have a, one of the leading open data programs, I think, in the country and world. Um, then it gets a little more complicated. We have up to four would be, say, our undercover cops. You know, so If we let this data out, someone's going to get hurt and the gradations um, in between. Level 3 has most of the PII, uh, protected information, uh, privacy
0: data, health, health data, education data, et cetera. Um, as I mentioned before, when I asked that question, it's always, uh, it's always helpful to have that, uh, your bosses have has your back in cool. these instances. Are there any other policies similar to this that the mayor's thinking of coming out with in the future? We're looking at a privacy policy as well. Um,
1: how it's, it's, it's more nascent. I don't want to say that the mayor backs it. She's certainly letting us work on it, and we're bringing her our ideas and, and writing and, and how we're going to balance protecting data, ensuring the privacy of D.C. residents and businesses with the need to share data across agencies to solve problems. Um, and we want to empower the data scientists, the analysts, that sort of thing in artificial intelligence. But we need to understand what, we're, what we can share and what we can't. And we're really balancing that, that the data policy, the classification and the privacy policy should go hand in hand so we
0: know what we can share and analyze and what
1: needs more protection.
0: You know, it reminds me, I had a conversation a week or so ago with Dr. Lynette Scott, who's the health information technology officer, really the CDO for California's Department of Healthcare Service, 104 billion dollar department, by the way, uh, and also the uh, the DHCS CIO Chris Ryzen. and the issue was over uh, the open portal they've had and all they you know they've got you can imagine the data they have. So the the question, the dilemma they were having was the fact that they put it out there, but they don't really know what people are doing with it, and they were trying to figure out a way without without hampering interest to kind of get documentation on who's using it and what they're using it for. Do you have any kind of mechanism or portfolio that you have that allows you to track those kind of things? We know the most
1: downloaded data sets. We know the the, the APIs that get hit the most. We don't track who uses it. We don't try to commercial, make people um, pay us a royalty if they make money on it. Our philosophy is... Primarily, that this is data that the city has collected anyway. We'll make it available. It makes us more transparent. It, it does spin up some things. It helps with our internal data quality when agencies know it's, it's going to go out. Um, the biggest benefits, though, and the ones that we worry about, are internal. Once we make a data set public, then sharing it within the government is a no-brainer. Um, until that point, it may take several lawyers to move data from one end of the hall to the other. Um, so the real benefits of open data are to us primarily internal and we'll let the citizens enjoy anything that they can.
0: Yeah. Interesting point, because obviously that's one of my questions was, one is, was going to be, it's not really the technology that's the challenge here. It's the internal change management issues about getting people to give up their data as it were. And I'm sure you have stories about that. As you mentioned, four lawyers, I'm sure it (laughs) took a, a boatload to get some of these things done and an executive sponsor to make it happen. Right. I mean, in this case, uh, Mayor Bowser's order was very timely and
1: helpful. And without it, we have never, until last March when we published it, the city had never had an inventory of its data sets. So, so imagine, you know, we're counting every chair. It's got a sticker on the back that says property, of the DC government, every desk, but our data sets, which are really the most valuable thing in in a modern business, we didn't have an inventory. So we do that now. We would
0: not be there without Mayor Bowser. Our guest today is Barney Krukoff, Interim Chief Technology Officer of the District of Columbia. You're listening to Ask the CIO Sled Edition on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. I'm John Thomas Flynn. So we're talking about having an executive champion and, and being able to get the, get access to the data.
1: We do track um, what's most popular and not. And what I was saying was you'll find that sometimes I don't agree with what's most popular. Like In Maryland, we had... A system that rolled up data from local governments into the state data portal, and plus all the state data, and the data set that always came out the most popular was employee salaries in Baltimore. So, who made how much money, and this is next to health data, next to property data, next to other things. I guess that's uh, what people were most interested in. So that's fine. That's that allows the public to look. It was part of the law in the city to have that public, but. I always wondered, really? Of of all the things we've published, that's that's. I'm not
0: surprised. I'm not surprised. Uh, You know, I've done a number of stories over the years, and one of my most popular ones, I I said, uh, the CIO salaries, this was in California, a story about CIO salaries, is there a gender gap? Geez, that got more hits, you know, just because of the the title and the fact it had something Mm -hmm. to do with the salaries. But yeah, it's very popular. That's why... uh, you know, Causey is so popular around here, right? I mean, his federal diary going way back. Uh, our guest today is Barney Krukoff, Interim Chief Technology Officer of the District of Columbia. You're listening to Ask the CIO, SLED Edition. Barney, before we uh, before the break, we were discussing the mayor's data policy, and now I want to sw- switch back again to your uh, to your organization, the IT model we discussed before. Uh, we met recently at NASIO, and you're familiar with state CIOs. What do you think are some of the differences and similarities, I guess, between them and and your job with with uh, the District of Columbia?
1: I think we have more similarities than differences. Um, the they're probably less worried about potholes than than the city is. They're they don't pick up trash, and where they plow snow, it's probably handled by a massive uh, DOT. We have a a sizable D.O.T. ourselves, but it's it's just more of a local business. Um, I think the other difference is the city council. It's, it's only uh, a dozen-so people, but it meets year-round, whereas a typical state legislature's got a legislative season. So um, there's a different seasonal flow when I worked in the Maryland state government than when you work in the D.C. government. Um, so the breadth of the D.C. government is different. Um, the, the level of legislative supervision varies, um,
0: as well. I think those are the major differences. Mm -hmm. Um, I noticed that, uh, I noticed that you have just hired a new chief information security officer. Uh, and I, that was a former position of yours, correct? No. Oh, you were just chief data, data Data officer. Officer And not uh, CISO. But you have a new CISO? We do. And I guess, tell us a little bit about him.
1: His name is Sunil Cherry Curry. He's been a longtime time Octo contractor. I really think he's the mind behind the city's cybersecurity more than anyone else. Um, He wasn't always eligible to work in the city. He is a native of India, lived in Australia, holds Australian citizenship. Um, We waited a little bit for him to uh, be eligible and then uh, hired him, Um, and then we... We hired him initially as an interim and then promoted him into the um, CISO role. It's it's a very competitive market um, for security staff, and it's not easy to keep them appropriately paid and, and on the farm. So growing from the inside the way Sunil has is, is really a, a wonderful thing for Octo.
0: Well, uh, switching again, I know last week I happened to notice what was the – uh, GIS day, November 14th. And as a former CDO, uh, was there anything special the District of Columbia to celebrate? You know, I did not, uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> celebrate. I, I, I think it's a little bit of a hallmark holiday for GIS. And, and I, we, we've have in the past, I don't know if we did it this year, done a, a scavenger hunt where we post clues and then, um, people can use the city's GIS tools to find somewhat obscure things. And, uh, these, these scavenger hunts don't necessarily require leaving your desk, but um, I think that's been our most popular GIS Day
0: event. I'm not sure if we ran one this year. How about, uh, how about this one? We've got um, – are you, are, you, um, are you wearing two hats? Do you still do your chief data officer role, or does someone fill that position now that you're interim CTO?
1: I, I have two
0: hats, um, but I would say the CTO job
1: is, is the bigger hat, and uh, this, I have a very good staff on the CDO side, and, and they've been doing most of the work. And, for example, not knowing what we did for GIS Day is a proof that I'm
0: uh, <laughs> flipping in my CDO duties. Well, that's because we have such insightful questions coming from your host, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, we talked about this a little bit before the show, but that startup and residence program, STIR, uh, a lot of CIOs are doing some very interesting things around the country in terms of the workforce, in terms of evolving technology, Tell us a little bit about that and where that program's going. We will
1: not be continuing the program. Um, it was really something we did in cooperation with San Francisco, and they did a fine job in helping run the program. <clears throat> they found a select, they gave us basically a pool of applicants who applied for startup and residence. We chose a, a very good firm, and have worked with. In- Technology on digital engagement for communities. Um, we we got ourselves in a bit of a twist where we had trouble paying the firm because of the the way we brought them on board through this unusual system wasn't really by the book. They're getting paid now, but um, the the startup has had has had issues, and and I don't think that they will continue. Although the product is is good, and we're looking forward to using it. Yeah, and
0: that kind of goes back to the one of the first questions I asked about that technology cheerleader role that it sounds like your office is uh, at least contemplated or contemplating in the future, um, and it goes it goes it goes along with the next question. Uh, the DC Policy Center put out a uh, an article by Michael Watson, I guess just about a year ago, on what type of CTO does DC need, and talked about things like uh, cybersecurity, automation. Uh, the tech, the technology sector outside of government growing that in the, in the district and also data, always talking about data. Um, what is, what's the uh, Washington DC way in terms of, of, uh, of cyber like everybody else, particularly in government, you know, we've have, we've had challenges, right?
1: We've had challenges. Um, but I think we're, I have some wood in the studio. Uh, that I just hit, we don't, you, know, you never know in cybersecurity if you're succeeding or you've already been breached and you just don't even know about it yet. So I, I don't like to, to brag or talk too much about it. But I believe DC is strong in having a fairly centralized network that we own. So we have fiber that connects to almost all of our buildings, that fiber routes through central hubs. Those hubs are well-protected and then route to the Internet. We have a fundamentally good fort and moat around us we have issues with our policies we have issues with older systems we have issues uh with you know millions of emails per day and and some of those are phishing attacks some of them are very clever um so we're not out of the woods by any means and we're trying to double down as the threats grow and um metastasize into into other forms
0: Another, uh, another point that was made in the article talked about automation. And frankly, at NASIO we heard a lot about this too, emerging technologies anywhere from autonomous vehicles and drones and uh, artificial intelligence, blockchain, that kind of thing. What are, what are you doing that and what are you anticipating doing in the future? I have
1: pulled back a little bit from trying to jump in front of all the emerging technologies. I really think that Octo and the D.C. government needs to focus on, on some fundamentals um, we talked a little bit about the data and, and feeding the AI machine, and we're trying to get our data in order. And, and we have a number of good data scientists in the city who we organize to meet as groups, and we facilitate their work. So on the AI side, I'm, I'm a believer, and, I, and we're going in. Um, blockchain, we really haven't del- identified a use for yet. Uh, drones are particularly problematic in a, in a city where... The Secret Service controls a big chunk of the airspace and they're illegal per the FAA. So uh, there will be a task force the mayor is putting together on autonomous uh, flight. But I think it's it's not something that we're investing heavily in or, or likely to be on the forefront of in, in the nation's capital. Um, autonomous vehicles, similarly, there's a task force on that. And there's some very innovative work going on. Um, the de- uh, deputy mayor for economic development has identified the 10th Street Southwest corridor, if you th- roughly think of the Smithsonian Castle to the new development at the wharf, underneath um, that building on Lafayette Plaza that seems to fly into the air. That's an underutilized corridor there connecting where a lot of our tourists are at the Smithsonian, enjoying things that are only in D.C. to... Where we also want them to be down on the wharf spending some money while they're here, get get some food, uh, relax, maybe take a water taxi. So we're looking at what autonomous vehicles could do on a very specific corridor to make that a novel way to travel and and see a part of the city that they might not get to if they only stick with the federal sites. Um, I think there's more to do with autonomous vehicles than that, but I think that's a great place for the city to start that ties our, our technology interests to our economic development interests.
0: Another point that was brought up in the article, and this is something that we've touched on a little bit right now, and I'm still, I'm still interested in this, and what your what your thoughts are. But uh, in growing the District of Columbia's technology sector, is that something that's in your jurisdiction, or once again, are you trying to just keep the trains running on time?
1: I think it depends on which CTO you ask. I I believe we we got to keep the trains running on time, and I'm not talking about Metro. Necessarily, I'm talking about: uh, is our data backed up? Is do we have a coup plan? Do we are we training all our staff on cybersecurity? Um, attracting technology and attracting any business is is really under our economic development arm, which is the deputy mayor for planning and economic development. I have attended events with them. Um, there are times where Octo can be helpful. Octo is a big purchaser, so in that sense it's important to meet with our local businesses and technology and uh, have them understand what we're looking for and solutions i think that's typical of any cio is trying to meet the private sector where they are Um, but the actual economic development piece
0: we are tool providers like we would free for anything else um Another NACIO hot topic, and has been for the last four or five years at least, is about workforce, you know, hiring, recruiting, training, and training that next generation. Always important, obviously. Uh, a number of uh, states had some very uh, innovative approaches to doing these things. What are you trying to do along those lines? And I imagine your job is not going to be any easier with those 25,000 new jobs <laughs> coming across the river, right? In, I mean, it's uh, great news for the
1: the whole region that uh, that Amazon is coming to Arlington County and Alexandria, um, we are nervous that they'll hire some of our staff, or before. But we hope they hire our citizens uh, and residents. We hope that some people who maybe move to the region uh, will choose to live in the district um, and, and work for Amazon. On, we are focused mostly on the neediest groups in DC. So we have a program. Uh, to train seniors uh, in computing, we have a program uh, to train youth. Um, we have a mobile tech lab that will go to community centers or rec centers and teach people who may not get the exposure through their normal day-to-day life. Um, so that's one basic program. Um, we also have under Mayor Bowser a uh, a number of employment-to-job programs, of which mostly are led by the Department of Employment Services, but OCTO is an avid participant in. We have had a class um, studying for A1 certification um, at at OCTO, and we hope some of them will end up in our, our help desk uh, crew and, and work their way up from
0: there. Okay, got the last couple of questions. Uh, everybody wants to know, how do you do with vendors, particularly those that wish to work with the city? Uh, we love
1: our vendors. Um, we, we deal with them as as I want to deal with them as, as, as naturally as possible. Sometimes, as a government employee, you know that you don't get to do things in a way that you naturally would. You 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 go through a formal process of of bid and response and grade. Um, but until that RFP comes out, we want to talk to the community. We want to understand the direction of the major players. You know, Microsoft, Oracle. Wh- where are these folks headed? Um, how does that affect what we're doing? What is, how does Google affect it? And then work with our local, um, value added resellers and consultants to help us leverage that. Um, that's always our goal.
0: And you're open to taking vendor meetings and and the like,
1: I can't take them all, you know? Sure. Um, but I will... I'm going to say too much and encourage more emails. <laughs> Most emails just go to um, my side account where I where they never get open. Um, so if I did, ignored one, I apologize. Um, I'm open to the right vendor meetings and the right forums. I'm open to particularly forums. I, I got to speak recently with the DC Chamber of Commerce. They assembled a number of folks at one time. We were able to hit many vendors. I think that was a, a very good use of my time and theirs.
0: Okay, last question. What's next for Barney Kukov? You're you're not interested in being the uh, full-time permanent CTO, right? It's not the right thing for
1: my family right now. It's a great job, and I hope uh, whoever gets it loves it. Um, I'm not. I wouldn't discourage anyone from applying. I'm planning to go back to the chief data officer role, um,
0: and help that person uh, be successful for the city. Any news about when there might be an announcement for a new uh, CTO? Um, uh, Stay tuned. Stay tuned.
1: Right here on uh, Federal News Radio. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. With that, we'll conclude our program today. Uh, very interesting. I want to thank our guest, Barney Kukoff, Interim Chief Technology Officer of Washington, D.C., and thank you for listing content from this state and local program, which also includes curated news and original articles by yours truly and other more esteemed authors as part of the recently expanded AskTheCIO.com. Hope you can join us each Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time or listen to a podcast afterwards. Until then, bye for now. I'm John Thomas Flynn. You've been listening to Ask the CIO, Sled Edition with John Thomas Flynn on Federal News Radio, part of the Federal News Network. Tune in Thursday mornings at 11 or subscribe to this show on iTunes or Podcast One.